It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adweek Presents, where each week you hear from some of the most recognizable names in music, television, sports, and film to learn about their unique approach to marketing that have made them legends in the industry. On this week's episode, we travel back to last April's Convergent TV Summit, where we hosted a fireside conversation with someone who is no stranger to the creative process behind productions. With a career dating back to childhood, this actress-producer-director was catapulted to fame for her role in the critically acclaimed Mad Men, then subsequently Hulu's The Handmaid's Tale, which is set to return for season five later this year. Over the past four seasons, she has served as both executive producer and star, and last season she made her directorial debut. Join Adweek's former Chief Content Officer, Lisa Granitstein, as she sits down with this week's guest to discuss the challenges of wearing many hats on set, her experiences playing June Osborne, the future of entertainment, and upcoming works from her production company, Love and Squalor Pictures. So without further ado, please enjoy this conversation when Adweek presents Elizabeth Moss. Hi there. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. So you have a co-star with you. Let's start with that. Very cute. This is my assistant, Lucy. Very nice to meet you, Lucy. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, one of the best parts of my job is the perk of screeners. So I know we are in for another incredible season of Handmaid's Tale. The whole time I've been watching and wondering, how did you get through the pandemic with the, how did it affect the production and what signs will we see in the storytelling? Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> that's a long, lot of questions. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we started shooting and we, uh, in March we shot for two weeks and then we shut down. So that was the first way that it affected production, obviously. Um, and then, um, our line producer, Kim Todd, and the rest of the EPs 
um, and our producer, John Weber in Canada, basically worked for pretty much from the Monday after we shut down to um, before we were able to go back for, for prep on what we were going to do, how we were going to come back and mainly what the protocols were going to be. Um, and, you know, they went and spoke to every single department. They went and spoke to every single crew member and tried to find, it was actually really brilliant and tried to find out what it was that they needed. What was their day like? What was their morning like? What did they do when they show up to work? Um, and tried to establish what needed to be done in order to safely come back to work and then created this massive document. Um, then the union guidelines came out. So we had to make sure that we lined up with the union guidelines, which we did. Uh, and then we were able to go back and prep in July and August and be back shooting in September. And then the, you know, the shoot days were as per the protocols that a lot of people in the industry are familiar with. Um, a lot of people in many industries are familiar with, uh, testing three times a week, you know, if oh, you were in a, and, um, you know, there were ten shorter days and, and all that yeah. kind of thing, but, uh, storyline wise, it didn't affect us too much, which was which was tricky because we wanted to, you know, we wanted to be able to still do the scripts that had been written. Right. Um, so we didn't want to change too much. There were a couple things that, you know, um, we did have to adjust a little bit, but we really tried to retain the same stories. Mm -hmm. um, and so look at this. I mean, she just had, <laughs> I love it. Show her button. Please keep and maid's tail. Get it? The tail. And uh, uh, so bad. So bad. Sorry. No, no. If it's bad, don't worry. I've done it before. I've done it many times. Um, so yeah. So I think what I found honestly was there was an incredible group of people who really wanted and needed to go back to work and were very willing to do what they had to do to safely do that. And there wasn't a lot of complaining and there wasn't a lot of um, pushback. Everybody really wanted to do things safely and also needed employment and needed to come back to work. Sure. So, so episode three was your first uh, directoral debut, debut, I think, right? It was the first yes. one you did. Yes. Um, so, and I think, as I was told, you were actually dealing with the shooting part of it pre-pandemic and shooting the other half during. How challenging was that? Was that insane? Yeah, actually, I mean, it wasn't as challenging as you, uh, because of the pandemic. I mean, um, I shot only two scenes before we shut down. And then, so I did shoot most of it, you know, during the the part where we had protocols okay it wasn't as it wasn't as challenging as you would think again i think we were so grateful to be back at work and so yeah. grateful to be able to make the show that at a time when so many people were able to work that you know so we had to wear masks so we had to you know be careful and, and keep our distance from people. I think it was a, it was a sacrifice. Everybody was really willing to make. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I, I, of course. And a lot now, of my episode, episode yeah. three is, um, was written this way to have two handers. There was, so there was, there's like a bunch of two handers, which, you know, two people in a scene, um, for anyone who doesn't know. And, 
it was, uh, so I was lucky that way. There was only one scene that we had to change that was going to be a crowd scene in a park. Mm-hmm. And we weren't able to, to do that. It was going to be a vigil um, okay. and a candlelight vigil. And we weren't able to do that. But you know what? It's what it is now is one of my favorite scenes. It's like, it's incredible. So <laughs> it worked out. It worked yeah. out. Yeah. So you've been on two, obviously two groundbreaking shows that put networks on the map. Um, a, uh, Mad Men for AMC and of course, Handmaids for Hulu. The TV universe has changed so much since even Handmaid's first season. So what's your take on streaming now um, for both TV and film? A lot of film is ending up on, well, because again, there's a running theme here, pandemic, but the pandemic has led to a lot of film on streaming and may almost normalize that. Are you are you good with that? Are you are you fine with everything ending up on streaming now? Um, no, I'm not. I mean, I think that uh I I think seeing a film in a in a theater is an experience that uh, I would never want to lose. Um, whether it's a sometimes small films in a theater are incredible mm-hmm. to watch. Uh it's not just your your big movies, you know, that I think should be in theaters. There's beautiful small films that are incredible on a big screen. I mean, anytime we've seen an episode of Handmaid's Tale or Mad Men on a big screen when we have a premiere or a finale event, it's always an incredible experience. Um, so no, I definitely don't want to lose that. At the same time, I have been around for the last 15 years and on in a time where I've the landscape has completely changed. Um, from you know, West Wing and Mad Men to now it's a completely different world. The idea of Mad Men being on a cable non-network um, channel and only doing 13 episodes was completely new at the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now you've got, you know, it's very common to have eight episodes or less, 10 episodes. And there's so many different platforms other than the main network places. So, you know, in that way, it's great. In that way, it allows for a lot of opportunity. It allows Mm. for a lot of things to be existing. Um, It does allow for a lot of small films to get viewership, which Mm. is great. Uh, I've done a lot of small films and it's great when, you know, it gets thrown up on HBO or Hulu and a lot of people get to see it that wouldn't have seen it otherwise, because it's only played in like three theaters. So that is a good thing. I, I hope there's a world where both can happen. Um, I, I really do. I, I'm, you know, there are people that are much more educated about the subject than me. Uh, but I, I hope that both can exist. Yeah, why not? Would you ever go back to cable? Oh, I mean, never say never. Yeah. Never say, I mean, honestly, I, most of the things that have happened in my career are things that I never would have said were going to happen. So <laughs> I, yeah. I, you know, I never thought I'd do another show so soon after Mad Men. I never thought I would do a show that was Mad Men, you know, so it's uh, never say never. And I think that streaming yeah, and cable are so good that I do think that the network side of things will probably end up kind of having to meet that bar as well. And they're definitely doing that. And, and so never say never. Yeah. So uh, the, I mean, she sleeps all day and then <laughs> she's, 
She wants to, you know, she wants she, she, she wants her close up. You sleep know, that's 18 okay. hours a day. <laughs> okay. I hear you. My my dog so far is behaving. So this is <laughs> this is what happens when we all have to work from home and, and deal. Um I'm waiting for him to start barking. Anyway, um so you know, we I was talking to the Adweek team and and we we all agreed in Elizabeth. Moss Film Festival would probably include The Invisible Man, Shirley, Her Smell, and they all feature these standout characters. And when you layer in Peggy Olson and June Osborne, there's, I mean, it's incredible the type of characters that you played. Is is there a commonality and is there a certain role that you gravitate to? I would say I gravitate towards a change in a character more than anything else. I gravitate towards an arc. Um, I gravitate towards definitely somebody being in a certain challenged place, whether it's oppressed or um, having gone through something and then having to come out the other side of it. Uh, I definitely gravitate towards that. I don't really set out looking for projects that um, have a heroic sort of turn at the end. Um, I gravitate more towards, you know, having a big change in a character and having somebody who goes through something and having somebody who um, comes out a different person on the other end. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just the thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. I could see that, definitely. With There's definitely that theme throughout. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you're, um, you're also, uh, you know, your characters have also become meme queens. Um, the image of Peggy, you know, it's an iconic scene walking through McCann's offices, hungover with shades and a cigarette, you know, for, for our audience, it's in advertising. I mean, it's one of the most popular avatars for women. How do you feel about the impact of your characters have had on women so far? 
I love it. I'm so, I'm so proud of it. I really am. It means so much to me and it, it, it really touches me and moves me. I think that, I mean, what more can you ask for? What more can you ask for than to, to do something that you love and be able to make a living at it and then have people connect with it and have people be affected by it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when that came out and in the subsequent years, I've had so many people tell me they, you know, sent it to somebody or it meant, you know, when they got a promotion or when they left a job or they made a career choice or asked for a raise that it was Peggy or that moment that inspired them. And I mean, that is the coolest thing ever to me. And of course, June is a badass. So there's there's a lot there to play with too. I'm sure there's yeah. it's been used too many many times. Yeah. Um, so you've you've acted for since you were a kid, obviously, um, and you've been a producer now on Handmade, and you became an EP, an executive producer this season, and directed the episodes. I an EP in season two. So sorry, sorry, season two. No, not okay, that counts. <laughs> You know, that's important. You know, you earned those stripes. <laughs> yeah. What what do you what made you decide to spend more time behind the camera? As a director? As a director, as you know, oh, becoming an EP, well. all of it, like all yeah. of it, like getting more involved. Totally. So the first thing I ever produced was a small film called Queen of Earth. And that happened really naturally, um, just in the sense of I was very much involved with it as a director. I've worked with three times now, Alex Ross Perry, and it just became very natural. And I really liked it. And then Handmaids was the first sort of big thing that I did. Uh, and they, the first season, they said, we would like to give you a producer credit. And I said, okay, like, <laughs> yes, that's great. I said, I just want to have a conversation about, though, that I don't really want this to just be a vanity title if you're, you know, if that's what you think it is. If you want to give me a producer credit, I really would like to do the job and I would like to be involved and I would like to learn and I would like to collaborate with the, my partners and, and they were like, great. Um, and then I, the first season ended up, I just ended up kind of being involved so much, uh, uh, thanks to Bruce Miller, the showrunner and, and Warren Littlefield, the executive producer, um, who really sort of took me in and, and just, you know, really let me have a say and let me have a voice um, that I remember I was driving in LA and Warren called me, uh, and he said, Hey, um, we want to make you an executive producer in season two. And we just spoke to Hulu and MGM. And this is what we're advocating for, because we feel like you did the work and we feel like you can do that job. And I, I was floored. I was so thrilled and it meant a lot to me. Um, I feel like I'm so involved. Maybe it's just me and how I work, but I'm so involved as an actor um, regardless. And all of the elements for me as an actor are so important. I don't like to just come in, read my lines and go back to my trailer. I'm very interested in what the director's doing in what the set looks like, what the cinematographer's doing. I love to talk about music. I love all of those elements yeah. of it. And I think that all of them add to 
what I'm doing as an actor. So for me to be involved as an executive producer just made sense to me in a, in a way, um, because I, I think all of those elements are so important to, to the, to the show or the film and, and to the performance. Yeah. Do you have a, a favorite scene where, you know, you've selected the music, uh, the music for handmaids is amazing. I mean, I, it's on my spot. It's on Spotify. I listen to it all the time. Uh, do you, do you, do you, did you even know that? I'm sure you knew that existed. Um, that it's on Spotify. Yeah. People have collected all the songs. Like oh, really? all, oh yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. No, it's great to listen to. It's great soundtrack. Yeah. Whether or not you knew there's a soundtrack, there is. Um, but is is there a favorite scene or a song that you felt was used like so well, like that that stood out? I'm sure there's a bunch, but could you share one with us? There's a bunch. Um, there are really a bunch. Uh, one was. Um, Reed Morano's idea in, I can't remember if it's episode two or three, I think it's three of season one, um, the Breakfast Club song. No, and, don't you forget about me. Yeah. Yes. And that came from, we were shooting the scene and we just felt like it was a scene with June and Nick and we just felt like the scene was like a 80s movie. We felt like it was an 80s high school movie scene. Like we were like, that's totally what this is. And so she was like, oh my God, we should use this song. Um, that one for sure sticks out. Um, another one, which was actually something that I found was, um, uh, a Philip Glass and, a it's like a mashup or mix or whatever you call it. Philip Glass and Blondie, um, with Heart yeah. of Glass. And I had found that before we started shooting season one and I had played it in my first fitting with me and Ann Crabtree. And I just fell in love with this track. So then I told Reed about it, sent it to Reed, and you know, now it was in the, it was in episode three of season one. Um, I mean, I could talk about music forever. You should not have gotten me started. <laughs> uh, there's another one that I love, which is uh, a Rihanna cue we used at the end of an episode. I can't remember which one that came from. Maggie Phillips, our incredible music supervisor. I just thought it was very fresh and very modern. Um, and then if I can toot my own horn. Please. I, I, I loved, uh, there's, I, there's four significant music choices, music cues that I've made, um, besides score in, um, my episodes that I shot this season. And I don't know if I can say, I like, I was, one of them is in episode three, but I'm not sure if that will have come out when people see this panel. Uh, I don't think so. I don't okay, think so. I so. shouldn't spoil it. I shouldn't yeah. spoil it. But it's a yeah. very, very cool needle drop that I'm very proud of. Ooh, okay, well, something to wait, look forward to. I could talk music all day too. Well, we can we can have brunch and go talk music later. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, <laughs> but um, I, I, you know, in in terms of getting so involved, you've gotten to the level. You, last July, you launched your own production company, uh, Love and Squalor Pictures. First of all, very cool name. How did you come up with that? And what's the mission behind Love and Squalor Pictures? Thank you very much. Um, yeah, we we <laughs> we thought about the name for so long, and then honestly, it kind of just was one of those things that just clicked. I'm a big JD Salinger fan. I love Nine Stories. I loved the story to Esme with Love and Squalor. My producing partner does as well. We were we. I said, "What about Love and Squalor?" She was like, "Yes, perfect," and that was the end of that. 
Um, I think we felt like it ran the gamut of the different, you know, drama, comedy, the the different things we were doing, the um, the double side of the kind of projects that we that we were doing. Um, as far as a mission statement, you know, we don't have a kind of very clear, um, you know, we only want to tell this kind of story mission statement, honestly. Mm-hmm. If we have one, it actually is very inclusive. We don't have a mandate of these are the only kinds of stories we're going to tell. We don't want to only do things that I'm in or acting in. Um, We have several projects we're developing that I'm not in and we're very excited about them. We really want to tell different kinds of stories with different kinds of people. And that doesn't mean that they're all drama. It doesn't mean that they're comedy. It doesn't, we just want to tell stories that connect with people that reflect people back at themselves and that are stories that we feel need to be told. And that can run from something that is a little bit more dark and dramatic to something that's a little bit more light, a love story, magical realism. It really runs the gamut. But the most important thing to us, I think, is truth and inclusivity and storytelling. And do you think the the studios are open to that, all of that, that direction? I mean... I think they're getting more and more open because I think there's a lot of smart people out there that are demanding that. And that's exciting to see for sure. I've seen it change so much in television landscape since, since I started in in TV Mm -hmm. um, in a significant way in TV, I've seen it change so much. I mean, the idea that, you know, on Handmaids, we always have now more female directors than we have male. And that wasn't the case that, you know, that that used to be something that people asked for. And now it's not even something we have to ask for. It's something that's expected. Um, So I think that it is changing. I think there's still a lot more work to be done. Um, But I think that people, the audiences are demanding to have their stories told. Yeah. And maybe especially in these times, everything's gotten very real, you know, very stripped down to the veneer um, with the pandemic and social justice issues. And just it's been it's been intense. So (laughs) maybe that art reflects life, life reflects art. So absolutely. And there's a lot of people that feel that their stories haven't been told and they've been ignored. And I think that, you know, art is supposed to make us feel like we're watching ourselves you know it's not there's there's departures of course there's fun things that you can go see but even a great animated film you know you you see yourself in it yeah so what uh what projects are coming up that you're most excited about what's what's coming up this summer that we're all going to be dying to see (laughs) or Um, that you're excited about yeah either way I'm uh, going to Chicago next month to start shooting an Apple show called Shining Girls um, with uh, a fabulous team. Um, Michelle McLaren's directing. uh, Dana Reed is directing. um, And it's a crazy, wild ride of a show based on a book also called Shining Girls, um, that is going to, I think, be highly unusual, highly unique, and very 
uh, yeah, it, this is very, very different. It's a very complicated show to make, which is exciting. Um, but yeah, it's going to be very, very different. And in Chicago, there's not a lot, I mean, you know, it's great to go shoot in Chicago. It's also set in 1992, mainly, so, but there's a little bit of time travel. So we do go to different eras. Um, okay. I'm very excited about that. Um, there's a lot of things I can't talk about. Okay. <laughs> we'll bring you back. We'll bring you back. Exactly. Yeah. So speaking of time travel, um, you you did appear in the West Wing reunion, which was awesome last year. Yeah. And there were hints, uh, I think last June, about a Mad Men reunion. Is that at all possible? I mean, how cool would it be for Peggy Olsen to rule the 80s? Would you do it? <laughs> are, we, are we doing it? Again, never say never, of course, you know, yeah. um, but I haven't been, he- I, I haven't heard anything in seriousness about a, a reunion. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. Never say never. I mean, I think I love that character so much. Um, I also think it, it ended really nicely and it does exist in a space that I think is, I'm very happy with. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it would have to be the best people involved. You know, you don't want to mess that up. No, not at all. Not <laughs> at all. Meanwhile, you're you're pretty busy with Handmaid's Tale and lots of projects coming up. So thanks so much, Elizabeth. This is wonderful. Good luck with everything. Thank you for listening to Adweek Presents, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by me, Al Manorino, executive produced by Chris Ahrens and John Heil, and edited by Lane McGivney at Boutwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay up to date on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcasts. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.